Now, if you're uninitiated, we've been in a little bit of a series out of Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, just before I get there, though, I really do want to welcome our Warwick and Crow's Nest congregations and their pastors and teams. It's great to have you guys with us this morning. And we've been in Ephesians chapter 1 and uh, looking at the fact that God's whole will and purpose is to gather together in one all things in Christ, everything on heaven and on earth. And the first week we looked at that, the fact that God wants to bring what we see in our society and we experience in our own lives, the fragmentation, often the scattering uh, of living in this world system, how it tends to cause things to tend toward atrophy, things breaking down, that in Christ, God's plan is to totally reverse that effect, begin bringing all the fragments of our lives back together initially and then ultimately using us in his hand to bring back the scattered elements of societies and nations and his whole beautiful creation being restored to what it was originally intended to be. Who's glad to be part of that process? Because that's Christianity. That's not church. That's not sitting in a building necessarily. It's great to come and be inspired, have a little bit of fun with some Beatles songs. But the actual intent is that God would restore all things. You know, it's pretty precious. He wants to restore your life. And, and you might be here today and go, well, I don't know whether I've really missed. I've always been a together sort of a person. Great. Well, then you're fast tracking to be part of his plan to put other people's lives back together because that is his will and his purpose in Christ. And then the second week, we had a look at uh, sin and maybe defining it a little bit different because the moment we say that, we all tend to shy away from that. We don't even like to talk about it. It's probably not politically correct anymore to talk about it. And I think one of the problems we've had with it is we've defined it wrongly. We tend to simply see it uh, as good or bad behaviour. We moralise the concept of sin, which makes it very difficult to look at. But we looked at the underpinning principles of it, which is an abdication of our authority to build our own lives. Before it ever becomes a moral thing, first of all, it is a giving away of God-ordained authority upon your life to build your life, which then brings you into subjection to something that has less than your best interests at heart. And I don't know whether that was helpful. It helped a lot of people that come and saw me where uh, we don't just have to look at moralised behaviour, good or bad. It's not about being good or bad. It's about being brand new, uh, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And then last week uh, we looked at, is it okay if we recap? Because there's a lot of stuff in this. Uh, we looked at, uh, what did we look at? We looked at the earth. Uh, from a different perspective, the creation as a cosmic temple and just maybe adding an extra lens to what is often just a literal lens at looking at the, the creation story, which is in fact a poem in the first chapter of Genesis. And so we looked at that and I know some people maybe wrestle with that, but that's where later writers like Isaiah pick up this thought and Isaiah says things like, the earth, uh, sorry, the heavens are my throne and the earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me? 
So while we're scrabbling around in the dust trying to build temples to God, God is, I have built myself a temple and I've been enthroned in it since the beginning of time. In the heavens and the earth as his footstool. And so there's that thought. And then what I spoke about in that is, of course, in a temple, there is always the image of the God worshipped. And we looked at the creation of man and our original vocation to be image bearers, to bear the image of God to all of his beautiful creation. What a wonderful job. Hey, what a beautiful job. And, and that's where scripture, like Paul writing in, in, uh, in, in 1 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians, sorry, where Paul says that we are being transformed, even as by the Spirit of God, from glory to glory as you follow Jesus. So that's a concept that just sort of bolts out of the page. You don't see a lot of glory of man in scripture. And then Paul puts it as a centerpiece. This is what God is doing in you. But remember, all of scripture is a continuous story. It is not a new concept. Paul is pulling an old concept. You were created to reflect, to be the glory of God. And Paul is saying that in Christ, the Holy Spirit is restoring what was tarnished, what was lost. He is polishing up your reflector from glory to glory. You're getting shinier every day. Turn to the person next to you and say, you shine. If you're not married to the person sitting beside you and you're quite attracted to them, say, you shine. (laughs) No, I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't play with that, should I? That's... We shouldn't go there. And so uh, so let's dive into this because, you know, at the end of the day, we've done a lot of theology over the last, boy, I mean, I did all that and we had Shane Willard in the middle of it. Has anyone theologized out? Getting a little bit head sore? I am. I, I prayed this week, God, give me something simpler and God was good. So I have got a simple pastoral message that helps us apply what we've been talking about, this whole progression of thought. And uh, because the, the thing is, it's one thing to know the theology, it's another thing to know how to do it. Uh, or as Scripture says, because Scripture always invites us into the story to see ourselves in the story, it actually invites us to live the story. So it's not just so much I have the head knowledge, but it is how do I be this? If this is what God says I am, how do I then be it? And so I want to preach to our Monday, which I regularly do, but haven't done for a little while. I want to preach to to where we live today. Is that cool? And I'm called this message, Choosing to Shine. Choosing to Shine. The Apostle Paul, Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, 15. Do all things. Everyone say all things. Without complaining and grumbling that you may be blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Okay, let's just break down a few of these phrases, have a little bit of fun with it and see how this works on our Mondays. Is that okay? All things... All things. Can we agree that all things means everything? 
So when Paul says in all things, I guess what he's saying in, in every situation you find yourself, in every social sphere, in every moment of time, in every conversation, in every transaction, at every T-junction of life where you have a choice, Paul is including it all. The good, the bad, the ugly. Paul's including it all and we'll see why as we get to the end of this passage, I trust. The next thought is without complaining and disputing. And I just want to look at one of these words because interestingly, uh, in this context, in, in the Greek language, they're very complementary. You could almost use the same you could almost use the same definition. So I'm just going to look at complaining. Paul is saying in every situation, no matter where you are, no matter where you find yourself, no matter what social circle, no matter what conversation you're in, in everything, do it without complaining or disputing. So I know that we know what complaining means. But I'm going to still read a dictionary definition, and this is just an English dictionary definition. It means to, I'm going to paint the picture, is that okay? It means to grumble. It means to moan. It means to groan. It means to whine. It means to mutter. It means to bleat. It means to cup. It means to protest, find fault with bellyache, beef, whinge, sound off, go on about, pick holes in, whinge, gripe, grizzle, or my favourite. I learned a new word this week, reading the dictionary. Chanta. To chanta. That has got to be the word. Where did that come from? Has anyone else heard of chantering? It's got to be English, hasn't it? I mean, you know, present company accepted if you come from the mother country, but having a jolly good chanta with a, with a friend, I, I don't know. But to chanta, it's the word of the week. I love it. So don't you dare chanter about this message. No chuntering in the foyer over coffee. Can we agree on that? It's a chunter-free zone. No chuntering about the coffee either. In the Greek, original language, it's no better. It doesn't get any better. It just simply means murmuring, but I love this thought out of the Vines Dictionary, a secret debate, not necessarily disclosed. So the inference of the Greek is something that is rattling around on the inside of us, complaining, like like complaining, grumbling, self-talk. Now, most of us aren't old enough to probably remember this, but there used to be a cartoon, kids' cartoon I loved, called The Wacky Races. Can anyone remember The Wacky Races? And can anyone remember Muttley, the dog? He used to get upset and then he'd mumble under his breath. You couldn't tell what he was saying, but... And that's what Muttley was like. And that is the thought. In every situation you find yourself, don't do this. Don't be smiling on the outside. Oh, yes, that's okay. Yeah, that'd be fine. I didn't get my way. That's literally the the thought in this word. Frustrated self-talk. 
that doesn't even need to be expressed. And this is why we're instructed not to do it. Interestingly, because Paul has instructed us not to do it, then you could possibly think of the fact that to do it is sin. Does that make sense? To do it could just be sinful. Now remember, not being a bad boy or a bad girl. Losing authority to build. Because of my confession, whether it's spoken aloud or not, because of what's rattling around on the inside of me, if I cannot get positive, optimistic, faith-filled about things, I will lose my authority to change things. Because, see, you can, you can either change things or you can complain about them, but it's very hard to do both at the same time. And Paul is saying, do in every situation, you don't fall into the trap of letting your authority to build your life be taken away from you simply because you can't get over yourself. Simply because you refuse to let go of disappointment. Simply because you refuse to accept the umpire's decision. Because you know what? Life is going to drag us where we don't want to go. Who's worked that out? That is an that is not a choice. That happens. The choice is how we respond. The choice is what we allow to rattle around on the inside. And you could say, oh, that's just human nature. You know, it is, it probably is. It's ironic that in the middle of the most prosperous season experienced by man, at least in the Western world, people are unhappy, flustered. And chuntering. I mean, come on, is it true or not? You know, you, you don't have to sort of go far to have a conversation with someone where they're whinging about the weather, about politics, about tax, about whatever. Chuntering away. And if we're not careful, we enter the conversation ourselves. I, I was this week, I must admit, I've got to admit, I had to use this example, I didn't want to, I didn't want to admit it, but because there was a few people in the office at the time I did it, I need, I need to talk about it, I fell into the chuntering trap. It's a funny word, chunter. Chunter. I love it. It's like, oh, I woke up this morning feeling crook, but after I had a good chunter, I was okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the analogy works, doesn't it? Verbal diarrhoea. I was in the office and, uh, and I finally, someone finally converted me to an Apple Mac from uh, PCs and I finally, I'm, I'm now a, I wouldn't say I'm a fanboy, I have no idea how this thing works, it just seems crazy. It's, uh, but anyway, I was complaining because I couldn't get a YouTube app for my Mac. I mean, I've got it on my iPhone, I've got it on an iPad, why wouldn't my Mac be able to get, why wouldn't they do a, you know? So it's just on you. Yeah. So it's just on the taskbar and you just click it and you're there. Instead, they expect you to log into their website. How dare they? And I found another thing too, the Version Bible app, exactly the same. I'm beginning to wonder whether they're saved, the people who do that. So fancy no application. So after having like this rant for three, four minutes to everyone who would listen about, I cannot believe current technology, Apple invented apps, didn't they? I don't know, but I thought they did. I thought they did. 
I had to stop and go, oh, <laughs> sorry, everyone. That is definitely a first world problem. <laughs> that is definitely the kind of chunter that only someone who has incredible opportunity at their fingertips would ever chunter about. And so it seems to be human nature that we go that way. And maybe this is why Paul says, or he points out the context. So there's a context and a layering in all things without complaining or disputing. You're in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. And straight away it's like, oh boy, that's a bit harsh. We get, let's get back to chuntering. That's much more fun. But Paul says this is the reality that you can shine against because that's where he ends up. You can reflect something different. But he says it's a crooked and perverse generation. And before we think, oh, that's a bit judgmental, think about it. When we start arguing about whether a human embryo is human or not, when a whole industry that feeds off the vulnerable both sides of a computer screen, like pornography, flourishes, when the social fabric is so fragmented that the next generation is experiencing an epidemic of anxiety, when media makes an industry out of gossip and misinformation, when parents are fighting, even killing themselves and their kids over their emotional pain. It's not judgmental, friend. It's a reality. It is where we live. And against this backdrop, Paul is saying, be something different. You know, no wonder people are groaning under the weight of fragmentation. That's what we see. And Paul is saying, have a different spirit. Have a different spirit. I love it. In the, in the Strong's, when I was looking at this passage, the Strong's Concordance, it sometimes gives you the opposite of what it's saying so that you get the antonym for it in a sense. And this is the antonym, antonym to grumbling and complaining, a cheerful and willing mind. Having a cheerful, what's the opposite of a chunterer? Someone with a cheerful and willing mind, a different spirit, spirit, not weary, not laboursome, but exuding the joy of life, standing out as different, not a Bible thumper different, but a life, joy, Jesus lives in me, Jesus gives me hope, no matter what situation, no matter what circumstance, no matter what uh, environment I find myself in, no matter what the conversation is, no matter what the people around me are doing or thinking or saying, I tap in. Come on, Paul says the same spirit that raised up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you. And if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will give life to your mortal body. Man, a different spirit. I'm not a chanterer. I'm a child of God, which is where Paul ends it. And maybe that is the definition. We have all kinds of definitions for who a child of God is, but there's a clear one in Scripture. And repentance, repentance, when it comes to that word, and we often struggle with it, but it really just means to turn around. Paul is saying, have a different spirit. Don't be like the world. Don't go in that pathway. Don't go 
to Chuntersville. Spin it around. Interestingly, the Hebrew, go back into Hebrew hieroglyphics, the original language for repentance, the Hebrew hieroglyphic is two faces and a yoke. One facing one way, one facing the other and an oxen yoke. And the whole thought is you're traveling that way and you repent, you turn your face the other way and you put your head in his yoke. Does that sound familiar? Come on to anyone in the New Testament. Does that sound familiar? So God is inviting us. Come on. You don't need to be like so many in our society. And they've got a reason to be it. It's a crooked and perverse place. But you reflect something different. You reflect hope. You reflect the belief that things can and actually do get better. That God is still on the throne, Jesus is still at work, and he will have his way. And he's having his way again and again and again in our lives and in the lives of so many and so many that he will have his way in if we choose to shine. So I want you to think today as I close this off. I want you to think about places you find yourself in. That playgroup. And I want you to think about the people and the faces and the conversations and the situations that arise uh, as you as a young mum or maybe a young dad, as you walk that little person through life, you're coming into contact with all kinds of people and all kinds of situations, people facing all kinds of things. If you're in business, then I want you to think about some of the faces around you and the faces in your world, the people you have to interact. And often in business, you know, they are strong-minded, strong-willed, people that are determined to build something just like you are. Who are those faces and what are those conversations in your world? Education, got many educators in the house. You know, if that's you, what are the conversations? What is the, the tone of the conversation around you? What is the narrative of your life, of your world? And we could talk about this with family, with friends, in cafes, in shopping malls, in service stations. What is the tenure? of conversation and when it comes to doing all things living all of life without grumbling or without complaining I don't think being what scripture tells us to be is all that difficult I don't think it's that difficult it can look as simple as a smile gee a smile can open doors smile can soften hearts a smile reassures people that you're a friend, not a foe, that you're not, you're not trying to be adversarial, unless you've got one of those wicked smiles. But, but you understand what I mean? Like, let's not over-spiritualise this. We over-spiritualise scripture all the time when the instruction's really clear. Stop chuntering. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. That's, that's what a wicked and perverse generation is. It's chuntering away and no wonder because it's groaning, groaning under the weight of sin. 
It's groaning under having lost authority to build. And so as it determines to build itself, it destroys others. No wonder there's a lot of chuntering going on. But that shouldn't be you. It can be a handshake, an affirmation that you are welcome, you're okay, I'm happy to be your friend. Ladies, it could be a kiss and a hug, it can be flowers. Honestly, there are so many ways to diffuse the difficulty and the darkness that we find ourselves in all the time in amongst all those things. A simple act of generosity, a simple act of giving of time, a simple act of giving encouraging words can change someone's life. And what Paul is saying is that in all things, if you can do it without a bit of chanta, if you can actually do it with a willing and free spirit, happy to embrace life, then you will stand out and shine like stars, children of God in the midst of a dark world. That's pretty cool. That's not too hard to do, is it? Although it can be challenging. I mean, I was challenged. Preparing this message again, all my chuntering from the previous month was coming back to haunt me. Great attitude changes the atmosphere. You think about it. When someone's got a great attitude, they're the people you want around. If you find someone who's got a great attitude to life, you just want to be with them. And if you've got a choice, someone with a great attitude or a chandra, <laughs> where are you going to spend your time? <laughs> we already know the answer to that, don't we? And you could be that person in someone else's world. You could shine like a star. John chapter 15, verse 19, Jesus said, If you are of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And just to sort of understand that, Jesus is saying that the system that you find yourself in is actually flowing the opposite way. It's not going to encourage you to stop chuntering. As a matter of fact, it's going to encourage you to do it at the top of your voice. That's why bad news sells and good news doesn't. Because this world system is contrary to the kingdom of God. But Jesus is saying, you should know that you're not part of this system of things. That is something that's passing away. You're part of something that's eternal, that's beginning to bring all things back together and bring restoration to people everywhere. It's been happening right through God's plan for the ages. So I've got a couple of questions to ask us. You okay? Ready for the questions? Will you choose to give chuntering the flick? Sorry, I just had to. I still love that word. <laughs> what if someone could write a song about that? The, the anti-chuntering song or something like that. I don't know. We could sing that. I just couldn't. I, I just couldn't. I could ask that question another way. I couldn't help myself. I could ask it another way. Chunterer or reflector? Are you going to chunter or reflect the goodness of God? Okay, enough silliness. Here we go. Do we realise the opportunity we have to be a contrast to the prevailing spirit of the age in the simplest of ways, just with affirming words, smiling faces, 
little acts of generosity, carrying an excellent attitude to everyone that we meet, every situation we find ourselves in. Another question, is the voice I contribute more hope-filled and optimistic than the average voice around me? And I know that's a bit subjective, but I think it's a good kind of subjectivity. We ask ourselves, because God's done a work in me when I find myself in situations maybe where people don't claim to have faith in God, does my voice stand out for its optimism, for its, its faith-inspired hope? Does my voice stand out and shine in this conversation? Am I choosing to shine? And where in my world can I shine some light this week? Because when we make that decision, we actually reflect that we're children of God, which actually is a reflection of him. We begin to reflect the creator back to creation in one simple way that he had always intended it to be. I want to read Philippians chapter 2 again. Is that okay? Do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless. Children of God, without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. How cool is that? Come on, is that doable? Is that doable? Let's put chuntering aside. Let's put complaining. Let's put whinging. Let's, uh, and, and I know that I'm speaking to a room full of manifest sons of God. I'm preaching this message for me, obviously, and my... Mac versus PC issues. Can we stand together? I'd love to pray for us today. I love it because the word is practical. The word's not difficult. It's not difficult to be and to do. Father, I thank you. We thank you. Come on, why don't we just join our hearts? Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have Father, in the marketplace, in our families, in our places of education, places of business, those social spaces that we find ourselves in, amongst our friends, Father, we thank you for the opportunity to shine your light. Father, to reflect something different, to reflect something contrary to the spirit of the age, something that reflects your goodness. And, And I pray for all of us that this week we would take the opportunities as they come that we'd see them as opportunities and it will challenge our attitude but father we're up for it come on are you up for it you up for a challenge (laughs) to your vocabulary to your attitude father we're up for it and we pray that you would use us this week to shine light into otherwise darker situations situations where there's less hope than what there should be where there's less joy than what there should be, where there's less peace, where there's less love. Father, use us to reflect your goodness wherever we find ourselves. In Jesus' wonderful name, that's for husbands and wives, that's for parents to kids and kids.
kids to parents. That's for the businessman and the employee. That's for the, as Paul would say, I guess, that's for the male, the female, the Jew, the Greek, the slave, the free. That's for everyone. We all find ourselves in that picture. In Jesus' name. Just while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, um, you know, I've, I've sort of had a bit of fun this morning. But basically, we are all on a journey. And maybe I, I want to speak to you if you're not regularly in church, if church is not your usual thing. I guess the great bulk of the people here are just on a journey of discovering God's plan and purpose in our lives and and trying to walk with that. And this morning is just a small reflection of the transformational thinking that Jesus brings to our lives and the power of the Holy Spirit can actually change our lives from the inside out. So many people in this place would say that they've experienced that. But maybe you're here today and it's all a little bit foreign to you, but you really would like to start that journey. You would like to enter God's story for your life. You've been living your own way under your own purpose. And maybe some of the things I've talked about, the fragmentation of society, you've seen it because we've all seen it. But this morning there's an invitation. God says, come into my story. Allow my story to touch your story. And change can come. This is what Jesus meant when he said, follow me. And so I want to give you that opportunity to choose. Follow Jesus this morning. You've been writing your own story, but you'd be at a point where you think, you know what? I think maybe in some areas God could do a better job. And you're ready and you're open, willing to invite him to do that. I want to give you the opportunity. While every head's bowed, every eye's closed, friend, if that's you, and you just say, Pastor Chris, uh, I'm ready. I would like God to be part of my story. Would you just raise your hand right where you are and I'll acknowledge it. You can put it down. God bless you, mate. Yep, that's awesome. Others in this place, come on. Yep, God bless you, mate. I see you down here on my left. Others in this place, you just say, this is what I need. I need to let God right into my story, right into my heart. Yep, awesome. God bless you. I see you right down there at the back. Wonderful. God bless you. Just give it one more moment for just anyone else and you just feel, you know, God has not been part of my story, but I want him to be part of my story. And the promise of Scripture is that He'll come into your life, come into your heart, things will begin to change. And you'll you'll learn to walk step by step with Him and it'll transform your life. Just one last look around the room. Is there anyone else that wants to join these other folk? Just making that decision to make God part of your world. Fabulous. Okay, well, what we've got up here is a prayer. We're all going to pray it together. And if you just responded, then I'd invite you to make this prayer your own. Uh, Even if you didn't get to the point of raising your hand, maybe just in your heart, you're like, man, I need to do something with my life. Can I encourage you, friend? Just make this prayer your own. Pray it authentically and then follow through on it. Find out what it is, what it means, and we're going to help you do that. But find out what it means to follow Jesus. Cool. Let's pray together, church. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for forgiving me. Come into my life and I'll follow you. Amen. Wow, it's easy to follow Jesus. It is. It really is that simple. It's not the easiest life, but I've never regretted it. Why don't we, why don't we give it up and just encourage people who made that decision this morning. Fantastic. And, and we're going to go out of here, shining our little light wherever we go, say no to chuntering.
and yes to joy, life, peace and power in the Holy Spirit. Amen? Cool. We should go out of here singing, but first, Sarah's just going to come and let you know how you can follow through if you made that decision. Thanks, Sarah.